Hi, I'm Matthew Troutman, head of school at Thomas Jefferson School in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm proud to be the current head of school of such an amazing institution with so many great alumni. That's why I wanted to start a conversation series with alumni to get to know them, to know their story, and how TJ has impacted their lives. We have so much to learn and so many people to talk to. To begin, let's get started by talking with one of our most important alumni to TJ currently. She's an alumna from the 90s and currently our Director of Academics. Mrs. Jane Roth is also a parent, a parent of a current senior, a graduate, and hopefully a future TJ student. She's also been somebody I've worked closely with for the past 10 years in the academic administration of TJ. She has so much to say about the academics here, our program, our history and knowledge of the institution, and why we do what we do at TJ. She's also a great example of somebody who uplives, who lives the mission of the school. I hope you welcome Jane to our conversation series now. Sitting with Jane Roth, Director of Academics, teacher, parent. What courses have you taught at TJ? I'm forgetting some things. Oh, wow. Well, when I first started teaching, um, I think I was hired to teach seventh grade English, ninth grade English, and second year Italian. So Bill was stepping away from, uh, from Italian, and I got to to step in. And then um, as, as Ken Colston seemed to, to drop pieces, right? I picked up 10th grade, uh, 10th grade English. And then um, I picked up Latin, first year Latin, which um, I'm back to teaching again. And I absolutely love and uh, senior English. Is there, is there a course that you haven't taught that you would love to eventually teach? Oh, wow. What a question. Um, Other than calculus. I'm sure that's on the list, right? Um, gosh. I mean, the, hmm. I guess I, I've actually never thought about that question. That's so interesting. I mean, on the one hand, I am... I am fascinated by the notion of, of doing something on the social studies side. I think teaching, teaching senior English and, um, you know, nonfiction readings about how, um, you know, how history, history and culture form, um, form identity through those sort of inherited stories that um, may or may not be entirely true. <laughs> right. Um, the only English classes that I haven't taught are eighth grade English and AP Lit. So I suppose AP Lit, just because I, I, I loved, I really miss um, aspects of teaching 10th grade English. Those are some of my favorite works, but also just the, the, the literary analysis piece. I think I, I, get less of in, mm. in senior English since it's centered around nonfiction readings. So probably right. I would, I would steal, um, I would steal Mr. Roth's AP Lit course. I'm sure he wouldn't have any problems with that, right? right. Can we, I mean, we could do a swap at some point, right? Just one oh, year, sure. just switch the two, no yeah. problems. It's really easy to plan for a totally new course, right? Right. I, he still hasn't forgiven me. I mean, 20, what is this? Almost 25 years later. I, so I inherited ninth grade English from him. That's, so when I came, he took on AP Lit. 
And uh, he had been teaching Rime of the Ancient Mariner, which I had never, I had never read. And so I didn't, I didn't feel confident at the time keeping that on the, on the syllabus. And to this day, he has not forgiven me for taking that off the ninth grade syllabus. So he just puts it back into his course, right? That's right, how exactly. that works. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. Well, uh, let's kind of step back. Um, so we dove into the teaching side and I think my, my bias is showing there, um, uh, trying to go to the, the academics as it is today. Right. Um, but you also are a student, um, or mm -hmm. we're a student, you are no, I guess we're all students here, but you are an alumna of TJ. Um, how did you find TJ? How did you learn about it? how did you get to know the school? Well, so my family uh, went to church with Bill Rose family at the time, and and uh, as my mother tells the story, you know, she and she and Bill were standing around at you know coffee hour after after church services one Sunday, and uh, I was in sixth grade at the time at a local public school, and um, I don't think I really realized the extent to which I was sort of bored and, and under challenged, but I guess she had been um, sharing those impressions with him. And he said, you know, why don't you, why don't you have her come check out TJ? And truth be told, I, independent school was so off my radar as a, as a sixth grader, you know, and I, I did admissions for years here and really got a sense of, of how, um, you know, how elementary school kids in independent school really, you know, make that assumption that they're going to go off to, to another independent school at the, at the secondary level. And that's just, you know, par, par for the course, but I mean, I just had no clue. I'd never heard of John Burroughs. I'd never heard of, of Thomas Jefferson. And, um, I remember visiting and just feeling like I had found my people, right? And um, I mean, I was nervous as anything, you know, dorky little sixth grade, sixth grade girl. Um, but everybody was just so funny and relaxed. And there was this sort of um, ease across ages, right? And, and truly my, my only interaction with older kids had been those, you know, miserable rides to school on the, on the bus <laughs> where, you know, the, the, um, <clears throat> the, the middle school boys would throw, you know, spitballs at each other and, and at best, hurl, yeah. right, right, right. And hurl insults. And um, so I sort of had this terror in my mind about what, what it would be like to be around people who were that much older than I was, but they were, everybody was just so easy to to be around and we, we don't have the the bus rides to worry about too much <laughs> except for going to rep which at least nowadays it's uh, the only thing that might be thrown is a as a charger a wireless charger to to help somebody out to charge right. their cell phone before coming into the rep yeah well you you took me back to my to my early days with your question about what i started teaching and one of my, I think, fondest and, and funniest memories was um, having to drive the, we called it the whale. It was the, you know, the old, um, you know, big, big blue passenger van, you know, it was like one of those kidnapper vans, except it was blue. And we would 
pile into it and um, I don't know, go to the skating rink or go for a walk or, you know, someplace. Um, and there's this phenomenon that happens when the, the teacher climbs in the seat and the, the students are all back. It's like they, you know, they forget we exist and they talk about everything. And it, you know, it's just so funny being, you know, getting a glimpse into, um, you know, what mattered and what they were thinking about and cracking jokes about. I was going to ask about that. Um, you, you had the experience of uh, being a student and then coming back as a teacher. And I'm sure there are a number of students who have ideas of what teacher life is like or what we do. Was there anything that stood out when you started? Maybe it is the, the conversations you could be a part of um, that, that really stood out as, as something that, wow, I didn't know teachers did this, or I thought this would be much more interesting when I was a student. <laughs> um, I think the first thing that comes to mind is actually um, grade meeting. Right. We, we had the sense that the, the teachers all piled into a room together and, and talked about all of us and how we were doing. And, and um, it, you know, it sounded so, um, you know, I don't know, like we were, every aspect of us was scrutinized and, and um, talked about. And what it's actually like to be in those meetings is so it, it's, it is just a room full of care and concern, right, about how we can help these um, young people, right, some of whom are confused about calculus, some of whom are, you know, confused about what it means to, to be a teenager in 2020. Um, but it's, for, as a student, it felt scary, right? And as a teacher, it feels, um, oh, I don't know. Um, Supportive? Right. Well, you know, I think part of it is right, we don't get to teach, we don't get to teach every student every year. Mm -hmm. And um, there's, you know, we, we do step through every single student and consider not just how things are going in, in geometry, right? But how things are, are going socially, emotionally, just, you know, kind of sharing our impressions on, um, on where this young life is in this, in this moment and what we can do to best support that young life. Um, so we don't talk about dating as much as maybe students no. think that we do. <laughs> no. no. So I'm kind of curious, uh, kind of trying to go back to um, to the transition that you had from TJ student to post TJ student. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe talk a little bit about what TJ, how how TJ may have helped uh, prepare you for the next step in college, uh, mm -hmm. and then prepared you for coming back to to teach at TJ. Right, right. And I think you know I've got this kind of just by virtue of, of experience, this, this long view of, um, of the program, right, as it was and how it served me, and as it is and how I see it serving um, not just our, our students, but my students, right, the students that have, have lived in my house. So, um, All right, so you know, I think that when 
I think the the word I've I've heard most associated with with TJ or that I heard most associated uh, with TJ when I was a student and even in my early days of teaching uh, was rigor, uh, which is a word that can can scare a lot of people away and um, and it, it it was rigorous right and it's supposed to be rigorous right it, we're, we're supposed to put um, meaningful challenge in front of high ability young people and and we do um, I think that something that I am proudest of in my in my um, in my role, not so much as a, as a teacher, but as an administrator, is humanizing the experience, especially for for the middle school students, right? I think you know. I remember when I when I came in, and seventh you know seventh graders took four classes, just like the just like the seniors did. We had three hour exams at the end of every quarter, just like the seniors did. Um, you know, there was no, there was no structure for us in the afternoon unless, you know, our advisors got irritated with us and, and, um, you know, decided we needed to be in a, in a study hall, but really we were, we were treated as, as middle schoolers back then, just as anybody else would have been. And I think, um, you know, I mean, the, the the upside to that was that we really worked hard to to learn from um, from the students who were ahead of us. The downside, of course, was that our brains were jello, and we didn't have the self discipline um, and the self motivation, frankly, to um, to to manage our time well, to prioritize, to get stuff done. Um, you know, the, the hours I can remember playing cards in, in Yellow House with my classmates in the middle of the afternoon, you know, and, and uh, you know, we, the, the other sorts of learning certainly took place. Yeah. Um, it did not take, in my case, it did not take the form of, um, you know, algebra one or two or, you know, whatever. Right. Um, well, and there's tons of research, right, that shows that what that system set up is maybe not the best for the development or to be developmentally appropriate for students at that age. Right. Right. And, and that since then, I think this is, this is an area where, you know, just highlighting some of the, the work that you, that you've been doing here at TJ is bringing in some of the best practices and, and really trying to serve the students where they are and where they're, where, where we should be serving them rather than throwing everybody to the equally deep end of the pool at the same yeah. time and seeing who who survives or who uh, uses their time appropriately in the, the afternoons playing cards or doing homework or <laughs> finding other things to, to use with their afternoons. Exactly. And there's, you know, such an important piece of, I think, what, um, what leads to a graduate's success comes from the sort of freedom and, and independence that they that they experience here, right? And that they um, they use well and sometimes use poorly. Right. Uh, I think any of us would would you know can look back on mistakes we've made that turned out to be um, really beneficial to us because they corrected <laughs> whatever that um, right. that unhelpful behavior was. Um, and so 
preserving, I mean, my goal, I think, has been to find developmentally appropriate ways to preserve opportunities to um, to experience the freedom, to experience the independence, to practice time management and, and organization um, with that safety nut of, of adults around who can um, help somebody correct course right. as needed. Because um, we know that's going to happen too, right? Right. That's, that's going to be a part of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is, it, it has, one of the hardest things I think about being a parent is watching your kid screw up <laughs> and we have to, we have to do that. Right. How is that? How is that unique to the high ability students, the gifted students that mm -hmm. we serve? You mean the the need to practice failure or, or practice failure and how maybe um, how does a how does a TJ student experience that failure maybe differently mm -hmm. than, than mm -hmm. other students and how do we how do we support them differently? Great question. I think. Um, you know, I think there, there are different f f flavors of um, failure um, that high ability students can tend to experience. I can, I can start perhaps by speaking to, um, to what feels like a, a kind of intellectual failure maybe. Um, I think bright kids, right? And of course, there there is a you know a lot of literature that that backs this up, right? Kids who have been labeled gifted and talented, or or high ability, or who all their lives have been um, told how smart they are, encounter the the level of challenge that we offer here, and. Um, it, it can feel really uncomfortable when they they're they're hitting that wall for the first time, and they don't know they haven't had practice. Um, they haven't had practice overcoming that, pushing through it, um, maybe accessing resources that they need um, in order to to push through it. If that if that makes sense, and so I think that is that is a. a a way we are built really to to benefit the growth of um, of those high ability kids, right? Um, yeah, sure, you're you're smart, right? And uh, you know another angle of it is you, you may you may be really smart in math, but maybe writing is is hard for you. Um, high ability kids tend to make this assumption that if if they are good at one thing, they should be good at everything, and that's that's not real. Right. And so um, also helping them gain some some self-awareness mm -hmm. um, where, you know, about their their own their own talents, their own abilities, their own areas for growth. Right. Just just because you haven't had to work at math um, doesn't mean you don't have to work at English. It doesn't mean you can't be as successful at English as you are at math if you stretch through that discomfort and do the things um we're asking you to, to, to do to grow. Right. So how do you as a knowing that, um, knowing that students are going to have skill areas of skills and strengths and other areas of weakness, but that there's this internal monologue that's just really difficult um, at times. It's, you know, um, I, I know I experience 
I'm good at math. Why am I not good at English? It must be because of some other factor or I'm just lazy or it's either internal battles or external. So as a teacher, how do you come into the classroom and help support the students if they're strong in mm -hmm. the areas you teach or not so strong? Mm -hmm. A piece of it certainly is having um, big and sensitive ears to hear to hear what they're saying and um, sometimes hear what they're not not saying, um, uh, you know, about themselves. But also, um, I feel that it is really important for the adults in the in their environment to model for them our own um, our own not you know not just failures although that's certainly part of it but but you know expose for them the places where where we have learning to do right i mean i think they um you know maybe maybe i'm i'm giving us too much credit here but you know but i think they're they're used to viewing their teachers as as the experts in the field you know i mean we we are you are teaching calculus because right. you are good at calculus right um and yet we don't know, we can't know everything. And so um, showing them where we have to fill in gaps in our own knowledge, where we're excited to, to fill in gaps in our own knowledge and seeing that as, um, as something fun rather than, um, than scary or, or kind of mark of, of failure. What's, a, what's an example that you, have experienced maybe recently, maybe not so recently. Oh, sure. I mean, recently, gosh, I mean, with this move to to remote instruction last um, last spring and and the hybrid modality that we're we're dealing with now, um, you know, learning video technology, right? Um, I can I can try and make it seem as if I am you know, is if I know everything, but um, when I ask a teenager, I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna get a lot better information and uh, they're excited to help, right? I mean, it's, they, it gives them an opportunity to, to show off what they know and feel that, um, you know, that, that teaching buzz that <laughs> keeps, yeah. keeps us going. So I think, um, you know, and in this in this stretch in particular, right? We we have never, right? As as teachers all around the world are experiencing, we have never um, taught in this hybrid mode where some people are in the room and and some right. people aren't. Um, you know, we have technological screw ups sometimes that happen for reasons outside our control, but sometimes happen because we're figuring out what we're doing and owning that when we. Um, you know, acknowledging that we don't always have it all together, I guess. Right. Yeah. Is, is the, to acknowledge that something's not going well, you, um, I think we're all here because we're nerdy and, and love to learn and want to keep, keep growing. Um, I just, a quick question, is it easier for you to go to a student um, that you teach, don't teach, or is it easier to go to the young people in your house uh, mm. or who, share your uh, genetics? Is that, is it easier to go to somebody who's not as connected? Huh. What, a, what an interesting question. I think it depends on what I'm, what I'm trying to learn, right? Um, when I 
so I'm I am nearing the end of my um, my graduate degree, and when I had to take the the GRE as a full grown adult person who should have remembered tenth grade math but absolutely did not, right? I I sat at volleyball games and got tutoring in you know, whatever, geometry, statistics from, from students, from my, from my colleagues, but I mean, probably more from, from the students because it was so fresh and, you know, in their minds. And, um, you know, it's, it was easy to do that and certainly humbling, humbling too. Well, I think it it puts us in check and I think that's helpful to know too, right? If we, if we, are not always the experts. Sometimes, I mean, they're, they're great teachers too, because yeah. we, put, we put the information in front of them and they, they know how to, to acquire it, to use it. And when they can do it back to us, that's, mm-hmm. I think that's special. I think that's very cool. I always enjoyed listening uh, to, uh, I've learned more about sentence diagramming in my time here than I did in my entire English career in high school, middle school, and any time. That's funny. Yeah. Well, um, I'm kind of curious, you know, talking about, uh, let's kind of zoom back out a little. Um, First, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask you if you could give advice to a sophomore, um, a current Mm -hmm. sophomore, what would that advice be? And then I think the second part of that question is, um, I chose that year intentionally. And I'm going to ask you, wait, yeah, sophomore. Well, I'm curious what you think, uh, why I chose sophomore year as uh, somebody to give an advice to. Well, sh- should I pull out the Greek roots of the, <laughs> of the word and talk about how it means wise fool? It wouldn't be TJ if we didn't go to uh, no, the etymology. It wouldn't be. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're squarely planted in the, in, the middle of the, in the middle of the high school program. And um, generally, either they need to be this, this isn't my advice, by the way, and this is my observation about the creature that is, that is the sophomore. Um, you know, they, they either need to be careful not to burn themselves out or they need to, um, they need to realize they can't wait too, too much longer to take things seriously. Right. Um, gosh, um, what advice would I give a current sophomore? I guess I would say, um, you probably think everybody is paying attention to you and what you're doing all the time. And they're really not because they're too busy paying attention to themselves. So don't take yourself so seriously and spend so much energy on what you imagine other people are thinking about you. Well, rapid fire questions before we wrap up. All right. First one, favorite TJ meal as a student. Oh man, um, does it have to be a whole meal? Like the first thing that comes to mind is Vera's um, hot fudge pudding. Nice. Favorite teacher while you were a student? Oh wow, that's gonna get me in trouble. Um, well, um, Cindy Hood. Um, Cindy Hood was my tenth grade math teacher, and by all rights, I should um, I should not. Um, call her a favorite, but she was always so kind. Um, and, and my, my memories are, are 
center way more um, around the outside of the classroom than uh, than the inside of the classroom. I remember, for example, we were having a um, we had a lip sync contest, and um, Amy Dell, Kristen Bolin, and I did a Supremes number, and I was Diana Ross, and Cindy Hood let us practice this number. I swear, for hours on end, she must have heard um, "You Can't Hurry Love" nine thousand times in her apartment in Red House. She was so she was so patient. That's awesome. So, uh, looking back now with oh, with some oh, hindsight um we lost by the way <laughs> oh i was gonna ask you know what what act one uh, what was the, the oh it was it's such a joke bal chula morgat and layla Asali doing jumping around to the doors i'm bitter to this day. <laughs> was it a crowd vote or uh did you have a i think it was a crowd vote i don't oh, even remember yeah you lost to the was it were they the the popular group or just we're seventh graders oh oh well i mean the cuteness factor i guess yeah I, I think and we might need a recount on that one okay um impact we'll so, reprise it uh, karen fairbanks retirement party <laughs> the supremes or the, the seventh graders <laughs> dancing around <laughs> both okay um we could do best of all time right right looking back now who is a person that was more impactful than they would have known while you were at a, as while you were here as a student. So looking back now, who had a big impact on your life? Oh wow! Um, you know that it's not an individual, right? It's it is. I can remember being a little I don't know seventh or eighth grader. And, you know, going to Crestwood Mall on, on a Wednesday afternoon was like the height of, of excitement. And um, Tori McAllister gave us a ride in her little Ford Escort to um, the, to the mall one time. And we thought we were like royalty. But it, you know, it was sort of like that is representative of the way um, older kids would sort of um, take us under their their wings and treat us kindly when they probably didn't want to and um, didn't have any reason to. Likewise, I can I can remember that um, Neil Salyapong was the president of the student council when I was in seventh grade, and I always got stuck waiting the the senior and junior table that was right outside the dining room table five it was the scariest place you can imagine for a seventh grader older students yes older yeah. students it was always like older guys and like i didn't understand what they were joking about i was like self-conscious the whole time one time i was carrying this like ginormous heavy hot bowl of clam chowder to the table and I tripped and I spilled it all over Neil Salyapong and he was the most gracious human being you could imagine. And um, to this day, I'm grateful that he didn't mortify me in front of. Does he know this story? Would he remember this story? I don't know. Oh, that's I don't a good know. You should need to book him for your next. Um, that's right. Right. I mean, again, right, an example of, of, you know, some little teenager thinking that everybody else is paying attention to, to them when really 
Right. And, and I'm probably imagining, right, it was this whole right. bowl of clam chowder and I probably slopped a spoonful on them or something. I don't know. It was bigger than, uh, bigger in your mind and probably smaller in his mind, mm -hmm. no matter what it was. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, going back to the curriculum, what's your favorite book from the TJ, from your TJ uh, experience? Oh, favorite book from my TJ experience. Um, Probably, that's so hard. That's so hard. Um, probably The Great Gatsby, which then turned into one of my favorite things to, to teach. And it's not even my, my favorite Fitzgerald, but yeah, Gatsby. That's a pretty common one. I, I thought you were going to go with Count, Count of Monte Cristo or something more. You know, I actually didn't like it as much when I was a student. Oh. We read it as um, as a war before seventh grade. I don't think I was big enough to appreciate it. You read it in seventh grade? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, is... a, lot of, a lot of big, like, boat words that I didn't understand. <laughs> it's like back. half of the first half of the book, right? <laughs> right. A quarter of the book is boat <laughs> terminology. Um, okay, so recently, uh, what's something that you've read or come across maybe outside of the TJ curriculum that you would recommend to others or made an impact? Ooh. Um, gosh, you know how hard book questions are for me because I, I love reading so much and I want everybody to read, read everything. everything. Um, well, maybe you can narrow it down to, um, is it easier or more challenging if I said an article or another piece, short books piece? Are, books, are, books are good. Um, I think some of the, some of my, uh, my favorites in recent, um, you know, in the, in the recent stretch, um, Lisa Holcamp actually recommended to me um, the novel Cold Comfort Farm, which is just like sheer... Um, funny indulgence. Um, this uh, summer I read Americana, which, um, which I really loved, um, you know, themes of, of, of identity and, and race, um, really um, an impactful novel. Um, E.B. White, I know I, I teach E.B. White, but I've been, he had a, a, a volume, um, released called On Democracy um, hmm. in the last year or so. And uh, I've been reading that to see how it can kind of dovetail with democracy in America when I teach that. I don't know if you noticed this, but you started your answer with a quote, books are good. Um, surprise that, yeah. <laughs> Make sure that that's the, the headline there. Books are good. Jane Roth, books are good. Um, okay, quick hit, uh, best dorm, and you get one word to say why it's the best dorm. Best dorm? Like, as a student? No context. You, you determine the context. Oh, gosh. Okay. So, and I can't, I can only have one answer. One word as why, yeah. One word. Okay. So, I'm going to go the corny answer, and I'm going to go gray house, and I'm going to say family. Oh, because that's where we brought little Liat home from the hospital. Yeah. And it uh, is the one of the larger ones with two stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought you were going to say gray because of the bathtub in the one <laughs> dorm room, but 
that's okay. As a student, I think I would have said um, Gables because of all the shenanigans that that's a good one. Over six years. <laughs> Gables just uh, seems to bring shenanigans no matter what year, what time period. It's, it's just, in the walls. Yeah. Yeah. It's in the walls that sometimes are, are more stable than others, more intact than others, depending on if it's uh, um, how rowdy the students are in there. Right, right. There's your, there's your alternative title, shenanigans are in the walls. <laughs> I, I will never forget, <laughs> just speaking of Gables and walls, uh, the first year I was a teacher, I had an advisee who came up to me and he was the nicest, nicest student, Zhang Wang, um, big guy, um, bigger than most other students. He came up and he just very sheepishly said, um, I was walking down the hallway and I tripped and fell and put a hole in the wall. And we go over to Gables and there is a human size hole in the drywall of Gables. And he felt so, so bad about that. And I just couldn't. Oh. Yeah, he offered to 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 pay, but I think we we knew it was an accident. Well, I think it was an accident. Who knows? But uh, and just wanted to to make sure he didn't get in, too embarrassed by that. So. so to put a frame around it and called it an art installation. <laughs> that was option two. That would right. have been the the uh, cheaper option, I think, <laughs> than repairing the drywall. Right. Uh, and last question: Is there is there somebody you want to thank or apologize to? Oh. Oh gosh, um, Mr. Rowe, I am so sorry for all of the times I didn't do my homework. And I just want you to know that my chronic stress stream to this day involves walking into a classroom where you're giving me a mean look because I'm not prepared for class. <laughs> so, um, Kind of to wrap up, uh, I think what's really special about TJ is is its mission. And I know every school probably thinks that their their mission is unique, but I, I truly believe that ours is. Um, I think two phrases to me always stick out, and and one is the the strongest possible academic background. Mm -hmm. So you're in the driver's seat of of academics at TJ. So this is a very loaded question. Um, uh, but what does the strongest possible academic background mean to you? Mm. To me, it means acquiring this um, base of, of knowledge and, and a set of skills, right, that is going to equip you to think critically about um, the thing you're you're reading, or the the world you're living in, the thing you're you know um, hearing on the news or seeing in the newspaper or or whatever, um, and to communicate clearly, right? Those right the 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 input and the and the output um, in terms of of reaction to the world, and that requires, um, as I said, a, a kind of a you know a, a base of knowledge, a foundation of knowledge, but. Uh, a set of skills to use when interacting with that knowledge. That's going to serve uh, serve students for the rest of their lives. I mean, right. that's, that's not just a skill that you need for college. It's right. a skill for being in a job, uh, being a part of the world, um, contributing to that world, and and being successful, whatever that means to to you. Right. I mean, I so, <laughs> I can I can say 
with um, great, great um, shame, but truth that I, I remember very few things about um, AP calculus, but what it taught me was that I could do this hard thing that I thought I couldn't do and survive it. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, that, that in itself, right, is a, is a kind of, of skill, right? right. So it's I mean, not always the, the stuff that, um, you know, a place is trying to open your head and, and pour in. Right. I mean, I would say that it's not just in the classroom. So you mentioned mm -hmm. AP calculus, but I, I would, I would imagine that the, that it also gives you the skills to survive, um, developing a curriculum for a pandemic and right. serving that online, um, right. knowing that we can do this. Right. And I think we're, we're lucky to have the students and the faculty to pull this off. Um, and, and I think that's, that's helpful to be successful, but, you know, knowing that we can do this, I think comes mm -hmm. from this, this part of the mission. Right. The, the other part of the mission that's really, to me, just always the, this is the part that's truly unique and I think special is that we have this phrase in there to uplift the world and with beauty and intellect. I'm wondering if you could just kind of reflect on that a little bit and see, well, I can ask the direct question. How do you live the mission by uplifting mm -hmm. the world with beauty and intellect? Wow, heavy, heavy question. Um, you know, to, to me, this is such... Um, you know, as you said, such a, a, a peculiar phrase, right? To, to find in a, in a, in the mission of a school. And yet it feels so, so TJ, right? It, it, to me, it, it points back to, um, to, to the things students have learned, right? To, um, to observe in the world, to um, to recognize, um, but also what we're what we're putting out in the world, right? I mean, I think there's this there's sure this this maybe literal read of it where we are um, putting items of of um, visual or linguistic beauty um, out into the world, but I think there's something. There's something larger there too about um, about uh, you know goodness towards towards other other human beings, right? Goodness towards our our planet. Um, I mean, that's that's how it sort of um, I don't know resonates. That's what resonates for me with it. This notion of of recognizing and and putting out um, into the world um, things that just kind of make make us um, gasp in in awe <laughs> in a good way and um, you know appreciate the the gift of the gift of the mind and how it can help us recognize. What is what is good and beautiful? It's a wonderful note to end on. Mm. So, Jane, thank you for your time this afternoon. It's always great to to get some time to talk, and right. I'm sure we'll do so more in the future. Yeah, yeah, it's harder now that uh, we're not sharing the same physical space in the office anymore. That's right. Yeah, just down the hall <laughs> seems so far away. Yeah, that's right. Well, thank you.
Absolutely. Thank you, Jane. I don't have answers to any of those. Good. This will make it more authentic. 